Driving? No purchase necessary. You're listening to Radio Free Urban. Hello and welcome back to Radio Free Urbanism, a podcast all about urbanism and stuff like that. I am one of your hosts, Alex Williams, and of course, I'm joined, as per usual, by Nick Laporte and Ethan Myers. Say hi, guys. Welcome back, everybody. It's week three. It's the shortest day of the year. That's a good thing. Oh my gosh. That is a good thing. I'm very much looking forward to days getting longer. As I watched uh, last week's video, you can see in my back window the the sun setting you can tell that it's getting darker and darker out so i'm excited to eventually at some point just it's gonna be nice and sunny by you know in the summer in june it's gonna be still nice and sunny while we're recording so i'm looking forward to that but alas uh we're kicking off the show with a few interesting things i'm gonna hand it over to nick for something he wants to mention yeah absolutely so i started a different youtube channel my main youtube channel is called nick laporte uh and i started this other channel just to post up footage that I have because I go to different cities and I film so much of biking around bike lanes and stuff. And I just wanted a place for it to be out there for people to freely take and use for their own YouTube channel or whatever. And even for other people to send me their stuff to upload it as well. It's just like raw stuff, first person cycling around different biking infrastructure. I've only uploaded one video of JFK Promenade in San Francisco. It's the only thing I've uploaded there. So I just wanted to mention that because you were talking about before the show, Calgary, videotaping different things in there and kind of Mm -hmm. the whole infrastructure. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that on here. That's a super cool project. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. So you're literally just, I need some place to dump this stuff. Yeah. Just, just for people, if they, they need some B roll of, of cycling infrastructure, it's just there as long as they, you know, have credit to the bike lane project, then yeah, I just want to share it there. Cause I just feel like I have so much footage as we were, again, we were talking about before the show, how much footage you can collect when you're traveling places It'd be cool just to share a lot of it because only a tiny fraction ever makes it into my YouTube videos. That's sweet. I that like that sweet. idea. Yeah. 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 I'm, I mean, we all have pools of B roll. I think Nick probably mm-hmm. has the biggest one of all of us, but no, no way. I think Alex <laughs> has the most. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I have 7,017 clips of B roll that I can use. And I have a whole spreadsheet of so okay this is is magical (laughs) let me explain let me explain what i do okay so i have a spreadsheet and i use like a six six digits okay so i'm like okay i can do up to you know almost a hundred thousand b-roll clips right um so i've got six digits and each one is numbered and then i have two categories into which i place them and i identify the location where it was recorded and then i write you know, static shot of little red bicycle with snowmen, static shot of bikes parked with at bike racks. And then I always say who recorded it because I have a couple friends who have sent me a, a few things as well. But yeah, then I have this huge spreadsheet and then I just control F and I'm like, I need a shot of bike lanes. And then I just go through and it's like, okay, there we go. It pulls it up and then I can th- throw That's it in crazy. the I love video. It. It's brilliant. Yeah, it, it's made editing the videos on my channel way more convenient. Oh, yeah. Like way more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which number of uh, video did I record where I saw that one guy in the bike lane? Uh, was it P100276 or 278? 
Like there, yeah. I just there have this few... big folder. Sorry, Alex. I just have this <laughs> okay. big folder called the transit files and it's just loaded with all of my B roll. And I'm like, all right, we got to go scrolling back and remember where I was at this date to get this footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, yeah no, I should probably put my stuff in an Excel file. It's honestly, it's made it so convenient for me because I, I, I scroll through and like, I can see the locations of each thing and I'm like, I can scroll through or I can just type in. Like I can just type in Calgary Zoo and it'll show me all the videos that I've taken at the zoo, right? All the sorts of stuff. And lots of these clips I'm not going to use in in videos. That's why I like Nick's idea of having like a purpose-built channel for like bike lanes specifically. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Yeah, yeah. But the intake is a good, like that is really important, especially for bigger productions, but just mm-hmm. your own convenience. Like sometimes yeah. I'm good at it. Like we were talking about again before uh, my New York folder had about, 350 different files in it and some of them are really named really well it's like okay day one and then it kind of kind of it doesn't have to be like a concise sentence or anything but just all the point things what's in the video type of thing right Mm -hmm. and eventually on day four you could see all the files it's like it's like day four one day four two like i just Mm -hmm. couldn't anymore (laughs) (laughs) it gets exhausting yeah it's It's a lot of exhausting that's why that's why i'm three thousand clips behind on labeling this so if i want to use anything more recent I just have to scroll through the clips and kind of just find, you know, what it what it is. But I've been trying to catch up while we watch TV. Sometimes I'll be labeling these little 10 second clips. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I feel yeah. like all I feel it like works, my B-roll is either just too long or too short for whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And like, I feel like whenever I need like a 15, 20 second clip, it's like five seconds that I have. And then yeah, whenever I yeah. need like something that's like more su- substantial, it's like, or I mean, whenever I need something shorter, it's like a super substantial clip. And I'm like, I would, you know, I thought I'd need more of this, but I don't. Yeah. 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 Well, and so I know, Ethan, you don't really appear on camera much in your, like in your full videos. I know you do like, you're on the side talking about yeah. things in your TikToks yeah, and, I'm and actually, stuff. Yeah, I'm actually, I mean... Most of the time for most of my YouTube videos that I've been uploading recently, it's been, you know, it's it hasn't been a whole lot of my face, but I think that may change yeah. in the in the next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, whenever whenever there's like a spot where I want to put a clip in, but I don't have the B-roll for the specific thing I'm talking about. Sometimes I'll just put a video of my favorite restaurant around the bend on there. I'll just be like, here's around the bend. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but it's good food. So <laughs> Sometimes I'll just reuse B-roll. I know that's like kind of like even in the same video, like I know that, you know, most people, they'll they'll, they'll be like, hey, wait a minute. That's the same clip. And I'll be like, you're right. That is the same. You're clip. right. I'm running out of footage. <laughs> Listen to me whenever I ask you guys on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, where I'm like, hey, I want to feature your B-roll because I love doing that. Yeah. And people well, send and it especially in. if it's something really specific that you're trying to feature. And you only have one shot of that specific thing mm. happening, then uh, yeah, then of course it's going to be a bit of a repeat. But alas, uh, if we can move on, I've got uh, I've got a story to share with you guys. Also, so go go subscribe to the Bike Lane Project and check check that out. I imagine that can be a little bit soothing to just watch somebody cycling along too. But uh, I've got something. I don't know if I'd call it soothing, but it is exciting. And that is Calgary's public hearing on upzoning to RCG. And that's coming up 
April 22nd, 2024. So for all the coverage and update, tune in here to that because <laughs> I am super excited for this for this meeting. Uh, have either of you guys ever participated in a public hearing? I've paid attention, but I've never actually gone in person. Right. I've been to a couple. Um, I haven't been or I haven't spoken at them, but I've been to quite a few of them. Yeah, I think one thing that gets me really excited about municipal government, one, it's local, right? Like these people, they walk the same streets as you. They know what's going on in your area, right? And they're much more accessible. And you have you have better representation in in this in this group, right? Uh, however your city council work depending on depending on your city but they're a little bit more accessible you can go to city council you can go to council chambers you can go to city hall and you can make your wishes known so they they scheduled this meeting april 22nd 2024 for uh it says in this article from livewire calgary it says during the december 14th regular meeting of city of calgary city council Councilors approved April 22nd, 2024 as the date when the public will have their say on Calgary's introduction of a base RCG residential district citywide. So uh, this is exciting. And they set it out that far because they need time to get the word out, notify everybody. They're going to be sending out three kind of papers or information packets to make sure people are notified and aware of what's happening because this is... This is a big change. Um, and yeah, people people are excited for it. Some people also are not excited for it. But I think I think it'll go through. I'm optimistic. Yeah, I it's changing, right? We can feel mm -hmm. the winds changing all over the place, all over North America. We're seeing that things are going in the direction everywhere. Like this just happened in Edmonton. Didn't, didn't that happen a few months ago where in Edmonton yep. they approved fourplexes on basically everything in the city and same thing in, yeah. in Vancouver. Austin most of did the Vancouver. same as well. Yeah. Austin did too. So yeah. it would be a surprise if it doesn't go through. I honestly, I would be shocked. And the thing is, so let me give some history about this housing strategy here in Calgary. So in June of 2023, I think it was June, the city council had presented to them a housing strategy that was put together by a bunch of professionals in the industry, people who were educated on this stuff, nonprofit workers, a variety of people were on the housing and affordability task force. They come up with a bunch of recommendations. This base up zoning was part of those recommendations. This was one of the biggest recommendations. And it was also the biggest reason why council initially rejected the housing and affordability strategy, which is, which is bananas. To be in a housing crisis and city council gets a bunch of really great recommendations and they say, uh, no. No, we, we're not going to do that. So, of course, there was massive outcry. And so then city council said, OK, 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 we'll take a second look at it and we're going to do a public hearing. So this public hearing happened in October, I believe. And I listened. It was like a 36 hour meeting, guys. Like it was <laughs> Thursday, Friday, uh, oh Thursday God. and Friday were public hearings. And then Saturday was another extended meeting uh, for voting and amendments and all that sort of stuff but it went through it passed and the rcg kind of well there were a few amendment amendments that were presented to try kind of squash this rcg upzoning uh that fortunately didn't go through but of course the rcg upzoning 
it still has to be written in as a bylaw, right? So with the housing strategy, it doesn't just magically happen. It has to be approved in budget and it has to be approved as a bylaw. So now we have this other public hearing scheduled where everybody will be able to go in and say their piece on how they feel about RCG upzoning, this this awful, awful densifying. Let me give you some specifics about this crazy density they're going for here. Well, um, so the maximum uh, a height is, do we have any guesses? Any guesses of what maximum height is for RCG? Do you guys know? I'm going to take a guess. Three, three, five. Three, 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 what? Five, what? Um, floors. Yeah. So floors. Okay. So it's 11 meters, which is about three stories. And so three stories tall and all units in these properties must be grade oriented. So every, every single one of these units in an RCG upzoned building has to have a front door that is at grade. It can't, like, there's no stairs. It can't be an apartment building. Apartments don't count. There can't be, like, an elevator leading up to your floor where you enter in. Mm -hmm. None of that. It's all townhomes and basement suites. That's basically what this RCG is approving. But, of course, there's a lot of misinformation out there. So, uh, after this happened, I made a video about what RCG zoning is and what that means for the city. I think it's a great step in the right direction. I actually don't really think it's far enough. It doesn't really add that much density. And I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'd like to, of how much density it actually brings, specifically how much population density it brings. Because household sizes are a lot smaller than they used to be. And so one of my concerns is, okay, so you added built density, but you didn't add household density and you didn't add uh, population density. So we'll have to see how that actually shakes out. But I'd Clearly, like to kind of Clearly the character of your neighborhood that. is gone. It's just gone. Yeah. The character of your yeah. neighborhood, just destroyed immediately. Destroyed. No chance. Destroyed. You're never going to no be able chance. to park again, that's for sure. Oh, that's absolutely for sure. not. Yeah. But um, yeah, so so this is a step in the right direction, but we've got that public hearing coming up. April 22nd. I'm going to be booking that whole week off because April 22nd is a Monday. And I promise you they made it a Monday because they're expecting to go for five days on this thing. Wow. There's there's going to be a lot of people coming out. And, you know, we're going to get great public input because, you know, everybody who works a nine to five job is going to be able to meet for these meetings and totally Mm -hmm. have their voices heard here, you know, because these public input meetings that you have to be at in person to speak at. Really, really good way of hearing out your entire population of your city and not just wealthy, tending to be elderly people who, you know, have time off to do these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that's 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 part of my concern as well. That's why I'm hoping everybody emails their counselors and uh, and lets them know how they how they feel, because your counselor will recognize that one person emailed me. That that person represents, you know, 100 people or whatever. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, first, hopefully. I got two things to say right now. First of all, if you ever questioned whether or not Alex is actually a nerd for this stuff, now you know he's booking off time so he can be there present yeah. for these city, <laughs> city council meetings. He's literally, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 but too PTO the city, to urbanism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, the city council 
they're, they're kind of beholden sometimes, which mm-hmm. is really disheartening. And that's what I saw when we had the, the vote about the speed and red light cameras in Vancouver. It was mm-hmm. overwhelming, overwhelmingly people who came out to support, people who spoke at the council meeting were in support. I don't think there was one person who was, you know, for delaying this or against speed and red light cameras. Not one person called in, not one person was present who was against the, against this, and yet they decided not to go ahead with it. So that that kind of thing is disheartening. But again, still, that's not, I'm not saying don't call in, don't reach out, don't go there, be there. But uh, yeah, anyway, sorry. And, I'm being pessimistic. And, I apologize. Well, <laughs> No, but I mean, we need we need to hear both sides, Nick. Um, I am optimistic, though. I am optimistic that this will go through, uh, regardless how uh, you know, re- regardless of anything. We're in a crisis. Like this need this needs to happen. And like you guys said at the top, all these other cities have already done this, right? Mm-hmm. Like Edmonton did this. Edmonton got rid of parking minimums, and parking minimums were taken out of the housing and affordability. Like the, they were going to get rid of them, but then that was one of the things that got axed. So I, I'm optimistic. I think the RCG will go through regardless. And for people who are worried about this, they're not going to force you to turn your basement into a suite. They're not going to force you to make a carriage suite or to add a backyard suite. Like, it's still it's still your property. Nobody's coming over to your house with a wrecking ball. You it's- see, this is this is where Alex's lies really come through because <laughs> they're actually going to turn your neighborhood into Kowloon Walled City. And this <laughs> urbanism is absolutely going to destroy your city. I need to it's set true. the record straight there. If- Ethan, I'm God's strongest NIMBY here. They brought me on <laughs> here to have counterpoints. We, we appreciate <laughs> you coming in with the truth. Thank you for calling us out. These are just rich, greedy land developers over here who want nothing more than to destroy your beautiful single family home in the suburbs. It's true. (laughs) I am collecting a paycheck. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. How much, though? Like, how much? How? Well, honestly, (laughs) they'd have to pay me a lot to sell out. Right. (laughs) Like, I. What's the lowest amount? What's like the least? What's the lowest? The minimum for me to like sell out that hard? Ah, uh, I don't know. Got to be like a million bucks a year. They got it because they got right? <laughs> to keep me on the payroll. That's the thing. I'm not yeah. like taking a one time payout. I'm going to blow that cash. Right. Yeah. So if, for me to sell out, it's got to be a lot of money and it's got to be ongoing because as soon as that money stops flowing, as soon as that taps turned off, I like I'm blowing this thing wide open. <laughs> so, so you just guys for, heard it here first. <laughs> if, if you need a shill million bucks a year. Okay. No, at no le- problem. At least. at least it really Alex, it depends, the, it depends what it's into for. Into the Randall O'Toole of our generation, <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be rich and I'll have mine. So screw the yeah. rest of you. That's yeah. what I say. So I think an important thing to to say about this stuff is really it's more options. It's like a lot of things mm-hmm. we talk about when it comes to new urbanism. It's it's just options. It's giving people freedom to do what they want with their own property. That's, yeah, that's a big piece. Like that's a lot. A big complaint people have about rental places, right? Yeah. Like not having that freedom to do things that, that you want with your own property as if that doesn't exist when you buy some property. Like right. all the things I hear about my friends who've bought property back in Ontario is just constantly complaining about their neighbors and uh, their neighbors complaining about things that they're doing to their house and then having to apply with the city just to build a shed in their backyard. And yeah, this is giving more options to people who mm-hmm. want to change their house mm-hmm. and actually give some income and 
help the city get more housing. It's important. Yeah, yeah. People complain about homeless populations all the time. And then they say, but, 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 let's not build more homes. Yeah. You know, you know, we already we're we're going to have to make this a topic eventually. But the myth that there are more homes than, you know, people who don't have homes mm -hmm. is probably one of the biggest myths that's been perpetuated recently. And it, it needs to be destroyed eventually by us. But we'll get to that in a later episode. Yeah. Oh, we will get to it. We'll uh, we'll continue talking about housing and we will continue keeping you updated as this uh, draws near. Hopefully our Calgary listeners will sign up for that and uh, and show up and, and participate in that. But we want to move on to the next story, which Nick has brought us to talk about, which is bonkers bananas. And you've probably already heard about it because this is this is insane. Nick. So this is one that came up. I don't know how high, how high up on the r slash fuck cars subreddit, but this is a, a new burger joint that opened up in Idaho. So this is a burger joint that I've enjoyed uh, once <laughs> mm-hmm. or twice. I've enjoyed visiting. as well. I enjoy it Oh, a lot. yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I love it. When I went to Vegas last, I ate a lot <laughs> of this. So this is an yeah. in and out in Idaho that opened up and they had a drive through line that was eight fucking hours long. Holy shit. It's incredible. <laughs> so they have this this video, this short that uh, somebody posted. It's about 33 seconds long. And they somebody had a drone. They were ready for this. And it's insane. It's a whole, like, I can't even think about where you might have seen this before. It's like a whole parking lot. They've got cones. And it's insane. Like, it, it, you're confused about where the actual in and out is after watching this as the drone flies around. Because it's just so insanely huge. And you can see there's even a lineup of people out front but it's it's just a few people waiting to get inside but the car lineup is absolutely insane it takes over like this entire parking lot it's it's like a typical suburban you know shopping mall development that you know you'd have any kind of fast food joint but it's just insane like i like in and out i i enjoy it but it's pretty mid to be honest it's not like it's, it's cheap. <laughs> That's the benefit. Yeah, it's, it's not cheap. eight hours in it's, line. It's yeah. decently quality and it's cheap. And it's yeah. usually kind yeah. of fast, even when they have a normal line at a normal in and out. But eight hours? Yeah. yeah. You could, I mean, <laughs> yeah. someone someone posted this on Twitter that you could literally fly to Los Angeles, go to the in and out next to LAX, eat your in and out, and then fly back in less time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's and incredible. probably spend less money given how much gas you're using yeah, while you're oh sitting gosh, in yeah. that line just idling. Or just like, go inside. It, yeah, just literally just go inside. I can't tell you how many times I have gone to a restaurant, A&W or Wendy's or Tim Hortons, whatever, and gone inside, ordered my food, and and like there's no there's no lineup inside. It's like just just walk inside and then I walk out. And there's just this big lineup of cars. And I just think, what what nonsense? Especially because that big the big lineup of cars is really if you took those people out of their car and stood them in line, it's like inside, you'd be like, oh, there's not much of a line. Yeah. Because like that's just how much space cars and then drive-throughs take up. Actually, yeah, like 30 people is like an insanely long drive-through line that people would be like, why are you waiting in that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't even it's start with that. Crazy. Like, I don't. It, I don't it, know if you guys have this chain up in uh, in Canada. I'm. You may, but Chick Fil A. You guys have Chick Fil A up there. I think mm. there might have been in Toronto, but I think they closed. We, I don't know if that. Yeah, we had one in the uh, Calgary airport, but yeah? it's gone now. Oh, yeah. interesting. I've never yeah, been to. I West. mean, 
they're they're pretty iconic for their fast moving drive throughs actually yeah yeah mm. they have like a crazy drive through system i've been through the drive through system at chick-fil-a a few times and uh they're they're pretty pretty efficient with it but i'm going to say something controversial uh chick-fil-a's chicken is just it's it's not as good as like literally any chicken sandwich you'll get in canada I'm sorry. Our like we just have better food up here. Uh, their sauce, though, <laughs> doubt, doubt. I but, do. Know, I don't know. Hey, come, come on up. I'll get you a chubby chicken burger at A and W. That just sounds fake. It's going to change your life. It just sounds. It's going to change your life. It sounds fake. It doesn't sound like it's real. I, I do like Chick Fil A sauce, though. Chick Fil A sauce. That's worth it. I can't back no, any I, of that I, up. I, I don't. I don't like Chick Fil A <laughs> myself. I'm not a big fan. My my favorite two chain restaurants in the U S. Are Culver's and Portillo's. I'm a very Midwestern person when, when it comes to my food tastes. Yeah, I've I've never had either, so I can't I can't speak to it. I'll, yeah, that'll that'll I'll, be something I'll trust you have to you, come when you or go get when you come back to, or come to the states. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will. There are actually drive-through only businesses too. So I know there's mm-hmm. is it oh, called yeah. Checkers. Is Checkers that's an American one? I don't um, know if that's still a thing. Yeah, I think they you can technically go in there, but it's just like a window. I think yeah. the main mm-hmm. ones that people think of are like Sonic. Sonic. And yeah. if you're on the West Coast, Dutch Bros. Mm. Oh, okay. Which yeah. is a yeah. uh, it's a it's actually based out of Portland, but it's a coffee chain that's only a drive-through, basically. Yeah, and I think mm. there's like a Canadian copy of Checkers called Fast Eddie's. Okay. I think it's similar. Mm. I could be wrong there, yeah. but I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And it just it's interesting. So I have I have pet peeves with a lot of things. And I'm sure as we go through different episodes of this, we'll definitely get into them, especially when it comes to what grinds my gears. But one of the pet peeves I have is just drive throughs in general and how much space they take up. And I think yeah. there was even a post yeah. on Fuck Cars not that long ago where they had actually built a drive through into the bottom of an apartment complex. <laughs> the business owner had a had a, a you know a burger shop with a drive through like through the actual building. It was wild. Um, I but can, again, like I can. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Nick. There's um I I don't know if you guys have these in Canada. There's two businesses I want to talk about right now. Um, first off, some parts of the U.S., mainly the Midwest, like not like where I grew up, not like the Chicago suburbs, but like rural Midwest, they will have drive through convenience stores. Where you Drive just pull up into stores. them, and then you ask the att- or you ask the attendant for what you need. They pay for it, and then you drive out, or you huh. pay for it, and then you drive out. And even worse, this this may get a kick out of you guys is the drive-through liquor store. Mm, oh yeah, I've heard of beautiful. Those. <laughs> yeah, I, I call them the booze throughs, but yeah, booze I mean through. booze throughs. I found out about them when I when I lived in Florida, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is a thing. Yeah, that's I, crazy. <laughs> that is really crazy. I've seen so, drive through ATMs, but that's not as weird as that. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just think, I, I honestly, the less I can get out of my vehicle and like interact with the real human world, the better. I just, I just don't, I just don't want to be out there. Yeah. Uh, but spe- yeah. as we're talking about like drive throughs and stuff and just, I mean, it's, it's insane how much space all of these things take up, but I just, uh, it just reminded me. So there's a, there's a mall here in Calgary called Chinook Center. It's kind of the biggest mall in the city. It's very busy, uh, very popular. It's by a train station, um, pretty central. It's got lots going on. And during the holiday season, from from Black Friday and Boxing Day, which for the Americans, Boxing Day is December 26th. 
So during this during this whole season, uh, they are asking that people go park uh, kind of elsewhere. They have specific designated parking spots for employees so that the shoppers can go in and shop. And this is a really interesting thing they noted on this. They said, in the month of December, a single parking stall at Chinook Center is worth over $18,500 in sales daily. My God. Daily. That's crazy. But one thing I am curious, because there is a train station nearby and a lot of people do get there by train, I'm curious if they include that in their calculation mm-hmm. or if it mm. is just uh, just a, a, with the parking stall. But it is crazy um, how much, how important accessibility is to, yeah. to a place. People have to be able to get to shops and stuff. And if you create a place that is only accessible by uh, by parking, yeah, of course, it's like these parking spots are going to be very valuable to them, right? Um and so, and so it also says like, what if, you know, if you put things, uh, in, in place so that it was easier to get there by bike, right? How, how valuable would like one bike parking spot, uh, become as well, right? If you make it possible and convenient and easy for people to show up to your store, uh, how, how much would you benefit from it? But one, that, that number just blew me away. That's crazy. Yeah. One thing that um, a lot of businesses like to do is they like to underestimate how much people come by other modes of transit. A lot of businesses, mm-hmm. you'll hear them, especially like whenever like bike lanes are being talked about, they'll talk about how this is going to kill their business. Yeah. When it doesn't. In fact, it's been shown in a lot of different cases that it can actually boost business if you add, you know, bike infrastructure or ways to get to a business other than driving. Mm-hmm. And also, it- speaking of malls and transit. There's one mall in the U.S. that actually has um, pretty decent transit access. It's uh, it's the most American mall. It's called Mall of America in Minnesota, and you can actually get there yeah. by light rail directly. There's a station built into the mall. Really? Yeah. Connects hmm. you to the airport and downtown Minneapolis. I love that. They turned That's... the Mall of America into a transit center, so there's a few bus or rapid bus lines that go there, too. Wow. And do you know anything about like benefits they've seen from that? I have no clue. I'll probably need to look into that. But I will say the land use around Mall of America is exactly what you would think. (laughs) So I was just looking at a map of uh, Chinook Center, just taking a look at it, seeing they've got a ton of solar panels on the top, which is, you know, good use of the space on the top of the building. But it doesn't seem like there's that much parking compared to how big of a mall it is. But then I did notice that there is an actual like, like parking structure. I don't know how, yeah, how, so there, how there's uh, there's a lot of parkades. Okay, uh, in Chinook, so so underneath it, underneath particularly the north section of Chinook, there's a parkade, which for the uninitiated, parkade just means parking garage, like it's a underground, above ground, stacked parking lot. Is that basically. a Canadian thing or something? That's a Canadian thing, apparently. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah, even so, say that in the UK. I didn't know That's that. All you guys. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so underneath the north section in particular, there's a big parkade. Um, and then also uh, by the theater on the south section, there's a parkade. So they do have they do have quite a lot of of parking. Uh, but it's just uh, it's just not as much surface parking, which I think is yeah. great. Like that's mm-hmm. like if you're going to need parking, that's the way to do it. Like if it's that important for you, it should be mm-hmm. important enough to not have it take up so much surface 
where it's making things less walkable, it's making things more dangerous. It's also bad for the environment and just kind of shitty land use. And also expensive. So this is something I wanted to touch on and Mm -hmm. I'm sure it kind of ties into something we'll talk about later, but it's expensive. So I recently went to Home Depot, which is just not far from me, but I usually scooter there or bike there and I can just bring a bag and buy things and bring it home with me. And they asked me something and it it had me, made me pause for a moment moment when I was on the checkout. They said, validate parking. And I was Hmm. like, no, I scootered here. And then the next yeah. guy got his parking validated. They gave him three dollars. And I was like, huh, interesting. So yeah. you get to bring your car, park it underground, and they will rebate you that amount. But if you bring your bike or you walk in, right, go fuck yourself. You're paying yeah. for that guy's parking. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, that is kind of interesting, isn't it? So next time I'm gonna yeah. say yes. Yes, and I'll get my three dollars off my bill. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. Like, yeah. it's one of those things. It's 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 like uh, Henry Grabar's book, How Parking Rules the World. Just yeah. incentivizing people to keep driving if you're giving them free parking. It's crazy. Yeah. Give people, is... in, give us incentives. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not... A cycling incentive. Yeah. Or transit. Doesn't matter. It's like if you didn't just make, just make people pay for the parking that they use. That's fine. That's fine. That, you know, yeah. you know, the cycling incentive should be like coupons to like food places because- you know, the fuel is coming from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to refuel. Free, free refills. <laughs> yeah. So so I got rid of my car six months ago-ish now. And everybody, people always, they always talk about gas prices. Oh, I saw I saw gas for a buck 22 down the road. Oh, you should check it out there. It's a great price. You know, everybody's driving out to the Costco on the Tsutsina Nation um, out, out in uh, West Calgary. And uh, because it's cheaper, it's like 10 cents cheaper than everywhere else. People are putting on all this effort and I just don't think about it. I just tell people, I'm like, yeah, I don't pay for gas anymore. I just buy an extra burrito. Like yeah. it's great, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, yeah. No, it it is interesting how expensive parking is. And it's even more expensive when uh, when you make it a parkade. So, yeah. Uh, that's, that's that story. Uh, do we have any more on that before we get into some bus stuff? No, I think we should move on to the, uh, to the buses. Tell us about it, Ethan. So everybody, for those who do not know, um, you may have an inner city bus service in your city, such as Greyhound, Megabus, Flixbus, and, um, they're not exactly doing too well. Um, the main issue with a lot of these bus services, I did post this article. It's from, or I found this article. It's from CNN. I didn't post it myself, but it essentially talks about how a lot of bus services, inner city bus services specifically, are dealing with this issue of having their stations basically being sold off. So hmm. if you guys didn't know, a lot of these bus stations aren't actually owned by the bus companies. So this essentially not only kills the company's valuation because they don't own that property, but it puts their stations up at like serious risk of being like moved and stuff. Hmm. So what we're seeing is, is that these private equity, you know, companies that own these stations are selling them off because a lot of them are in like prime real estate downtown locations. They may have not have been great as great locations before, but now a lot of these neighborhoods are seeing, you know, some. So some, you know, increasing revenues from locals there. So what we're seeing is that a lot of these bus stations are being closed down and rezoned into, you know, whether it's commercial space, housing, offices, 
And then your essential bus stations that you have all around the country have to move out to parking lots and other locations outside of the city, like the main core of the city. And you see these bus services basically get watered down even more. Not only this, but companies like Greyhound have been dealing with issues of essentially nobody but, you know, the absolute most desperate people using them. And so you just see an overall drop in quality for services and stuff like that. And they've been shutting down routes like crazy, essentially, to save money on the little assets that they have. Right. So your stations are getting sold. So that drops the quality. Um, you're losing your best working people at the company because, one, you got to save money. So those people are gone and you're really just left with kind of the crumbs of the people that you can pay. Also, your services are getting slashed. And it basically is putting the inner city bus companies into a giant death spiral. And to most hmm. people, that may not sound that bad because a lot of people haven't taken the Greyhound or Megabus or Flixbus or any inner city bus services. But the main ridership core of these people are making under 40000 a year. It's 75% of people who ride these buses are making less than 40000 a year. These are essential services that are just getting absolutely trashed. Yeah, and it makes it reminds me of my you know young younger years when I was in post-secondary school, school mostly. And that was when I was living in London, Ontario, and we had a Greyhound bus station downtown, not far from the train station, the Via Rail tra train station. And I took it quite often because that's what I could afford. I didn't have a car mm -hmm. at the time. And it actually shut down. Um, but there is good news that it had reopened under a different brand, had bought it, I think, just recently, a couple months ago. So I think it's operating or will be operating soon. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, it is an important essential service to people who can't afford to buy a car, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> who don't have the yeah. quote unquote freedom <laughs> to get around our country. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's It really is about uh, mobility freedom here, like for people to be able to, to go somewhere, to go somewhere else. Uh, a lot of people ask, well, okay, if prices are rising in your city, why don't you just move somewhere else? It's like, well, how am I supposed to move somewhere else if I can't go somewhere else? I can't get there. I can't show up to job interviews. I can't afford to, I can't afford for the mobility, right? Uh, both economically or, you know, physically the mobility to get to those places and to do those things that I need to do to change my life, right? And so, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we pay for roads, right? We, we, you know, we subsidize cars in this way. What about subsidizing people being able to get around without this, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think no, th it's, this is a great one. It's insane, like, how, like, essential of a service this is and how little service we actually get from, you know, the people actually using it. Yeah, or, yeah. I mean, and so like, seriously, like these are like essential full on services that people do rely on who don't make like nearly like who aren't privileged as privileged as us who are mm -hmm. just straight up having to, you know, be completely destroyed by, you know, the mismanagement of private companies like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how does this end, Ethan? So um, a lot of people, at least me, I kind of see it almost in the way that we're viewing, you know, like how trains kind of had their giant meltdown in the 60s and 50s, mm -hmm. where, you know, service wasn't as great. We saw kind of this downfall of a lot of the private companies, and they just couldn't manage to keep up with, you know, payments. 
for, you know, their management or they decided to cut their passenger services basically just to save the company. And then the federal government had to take on management of these services with, Hmm. you know, via an Amtrak respectively for each country. And um, I don't know if we'll see the same thing with buses, but what's likely to because a lot of bus routes are still very profitable Mm -hmm. and it doesn't cost as much to maintain. I mean, they're not paying for the infrastructure. The only thing you're paying for is to manage the buses. Like, it's definitely a lot cheaper. So there are still a lot of very viable routes these companies can take. But it really all comes down to also serving rural areas, too, because a lot of small towns only get service from Greyhound. You can't get there by Amtrak via or flying. So basically, your only option is Greyhound or any sort of inner city bus service. Like, Mm -hmm. realistically, there's no other way that you can get there. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, we may just have to subsidize bus routes like we do train routes. But it all depends if we're going to. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I just wanted to ask you a question. Do you think that this is something that could be replaced with an adequate train inner city train system? Um, Unfortunately, the thing is, is that even if we did improve our train systems to be like as good, like near top tier, we're still going to need bus services, not only for the overlap, just in terms of reliability with our transit networks, but we're also going to need them to get to rural areas that can't support rail networks. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of rural areas just do not have the ridership numbers that would generate from that would generate enough ridership for rail. And even though mm-hmm. we do serve a lot of rural areas with rail, still like bus services are essential and it's definitely cheaper to maintain than rail. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wonder, um, like, I don't know, e- Ethan, do you what do you think is a solution to this? And does, does the article from CNN offer, offer any solution or is it just kind of like, well, guess that's the end of that. It's just, it's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, well, you know, this is a problem. That's kind of how the yeah. article kind of ends. Cause it's one of their shorter ones, but um, there really are two solutions that we can do. We can either basically, we can go the airline route or the rail route of saving them. So with airlines, a lot of the times, They'll just go belly up whenever the economy crashes, but we can't let them go under because they're so essential. Right. So at least in the U.S., what we do is we bail them out. We bail out private companies and then say, hey, here's this money. Keep running the routes to do your services. And that would be one solution. I mean, it's not it would come with its own host of problems, but it is a Mm -hmm. solution to the problem. And also with giving them money, we could also encourage them to essentially follow higher standards than what they're doing right now. Right. But there is also the route of kind of going like an Amtrak or via service where we say, hey, we're taking the remaining bus routes. You guys can give up service and we will take them and put them under a national service. Right. Right. Nationalizing it so that it's Basically. like, well, it's our it's our deal now. But you know, of course, then that a national comes with, company, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've and got that a, comes with its whole other host of problems, yeah, too. Yeah. You got to fund it and then you got to keep funding it and you got to, you know, uh, consider, you know, what what routes do we keep? Right. You know, oh, well, there's just a few people riding this one. So we'll just skip that. We'll just not do that one. Right. Um, yeah. I don't uh, I don't know how you fix that. Uh, in the perfect world with a gazillion billion jillion dollars, I just put trains everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, like that would technically be the solution, but I mean, you know, 
we're not in a perfect world and we do still need to provide bus routes to people who need them. So, I mean, yeah, and, and I mean, conveniently, buses also use the existing infrastructure of cars, yeah. right? Like it shares the infrastructure. And so like that's cheaper uh, than than building out a whole new rail system, even though a lot of these places already have rails. Um, I don't know how much you want to share with freight and all of the problems that I know that Via is very familiar yeah. uh, with. So yeah, if you're a Via passenger, um, I'm I'm so sorry, but um, same with Amtrak, I'm so sorry, but yeah, I mean, like you'd have to share with freight, and then you you deal with those issues, but you'd also have to deal with traffic and buses. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. really any different. Yeah, the thing is, is that buses can you know. We can put up roots and expand them as we feel without having mm-hmm. to build extra infrastructure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just the labor costs and and uh, and the vehicle costs. Yeah, I think the real big issue though is losing those downtown stations because to me that just mm-hmm. screamed the alarm bells of 1960s railroads going with you know I don't know if Via has a term for it, but in the U.S. we were building all of these like cheap crappy stations to replace the nice ones that were crumbling and deteriorating and they called yep. them Amshacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Amshacks. And, and you can still and, and run I, into quite a few Amshacks these days. Yeah. And uh, a Calgary, Calgary has lost its um, bus, bus station, the Greyhound building. Um, which was actually connected to the local uh, train, connected to our LRT here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's gone now. We still do have bus service uh, that you can get to Edmonton and stuff, and even buses to Banff. But a lot of these things, they feel I feel like they just stop in random places. Like you just got to go to some random parking lot. Yeah, uh, that's somewhere kind in the city of that's kind of generally how it up. is with with bus with inner city bus services. Even yeah. in like rural towns, I mean, especially with rural towns, like a highway stop or something like that. But, you know, yeah. it really like the main issue is when you start selling your hubs in major cities, then you're going to have to replace them somehow, some way. And in a lot of these cases, they're replacing them with like a parking lot that isn't even connected to any sort of transit. So you're getting mm-hmm. people who don't have, you know, the mean a lot of people on these buses who don't have the means basically and then shipping them between parking lots and cities. So yeah. they have to get transit to actually get to the parts that, you know, actually have people and their final destination. And when you're not connecting them to the local transit, makes it that much harder. Yeah. On people yeah. who already have it pretty hard. Yeah. Well, speaking of subsidies, uh, let's talk about those nasty, dirty cyclists who are constantly being God. subsidized uh, for their damn bike cyclists. lanes. Freeloaders. God. Can we I just know. like get rid of them? Get rid of all the yeah, bike lanes. Seriously. All of them. Just abolish them That's get what rid we need of to bike do. lanes get rid of band cycling yeah so this is something Just, I, sorry yeah yeah no go 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 <laughs> this is go something next. i had on the docket last week but we just decided to uh, skip it uh so i took that opportunity to actually make a youtube video about it it's on my youtube channel i published it yesterday it's uh what's it called it's called uh should we tax cyclists and it's in response to many comments that i've gotten recently on some of my shorts Calling for cyclists to pay tax, that they don't pay for the bike lanes and that, uh, yeah, they, they don't pay insurance. They don't pay gas tax. They don't pay for licensing, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to a car. And therefore, they sh- aren't entitled to use the street and should have to pay a tax. Well, and again, and sorry. Uh, sorry, before we go on, I just I just think it's really important to note as well that 
on uh, on your tax form, you might notice there's actually a box you can check that says cyclist. And if you check that, uh, the Canadian Revenue Revenue Agency or uh, the IRS in the states, they will just they will just not charge you taxes. In fact, they just won't. They will give you they will give you ten trillion dollars. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. They print <laughs> money for cyclists. Especially if you ride three miles an hour in a Shero. That is how you get paid uh, by the government to exist. It's true. It's 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 true. So look for that on your tax form as tax season comes up here. But uh, alas, Nick, you were saying. Yeah, so uh, sarcasm. The sarcasm is really heavy this podcast. I'm really enjoying it. <laughs> uh, but sarcasm aside, who pays for our streets, bike lanes and all is everybody. We all pay for our streets. When yeah. you when you go to the shop to buy a coffee, when you pay your property taxes, or just you pay your rent, that some of that rent goes to your landlord who has to pay property taxes. Um, and yeah, when you buy your car, when you when you buy gas, when you buy your bike, when you get uh, when you buy more cheeseburgers because you need fuel to ride your bike, <laughs> all of those taxes mm-hmm. go to funding our streets. And in fact, at least mo- some research shows that uh, cyclists are more likely to actually contribute to local taxes, which are the taxes more sl- most likely to end up in your streets. And yeah. not only that, I think the most important part about this is that cyclists have fewer externalities on the community. They have less less damage to the roads. They're a lot lighter. I think uh, the number I had was 16,000. This is for a very fat man on a bicycle. Was Would take 16,000 kilometers riding his bicycle to reach one kilometer that of an average car of 4,000 pounds. So wow. it's not even close. And uh, yeah, I, I think you should watch the video. And I got carried away at the end a bit. I had to change the wording around because I was a bit too aggressive in the first take. <laughs> um, but basically told uh, people who wish to comment things like that again to just shut the fuck up, which is basically holding up the mirror to the one of the comments. Whoa that, there, uh, Nick. We got to watch our language. <laughs> we're here on we're here on the PG-13 one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I've dropped a few F-bombs already this episode. I, I know think that. We, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think a few we can keep the rating. It might be rated worse in the States, but they're a little more. <laughs> this video was They're cursing. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you guys feel about like a a more real freedom, like a pay as you go society? Should we just, you know, toll every single bike lane and and street in the city? Is that a good idea? I'd love that. Yeah, I I would love that. If if I only had to pay as much property tax as I like use on the bike lanes and stuff. Yeah. Count me in. Yeah. Count count me in. Sign me up. Yeah. I think here's your three cents. Interesting. Uh, what, like, what if you did a whole calculation on how much you actually do impact, uh, your, your city and, and kind of what your portion of both usage and, and, uh, payment, you know, input and output, uh, and, and discover for the individual, are you subsidized? Mm-hmm. You know, got to be some kind of calculator. Yeah. You could just go on some website or an app or something. Yeah. It's a really thing, hard thing to calculate though. You'd really have to stalk somebody every hour of the day to really figure out how much they're owing the city. It's, it's yeah. impossible. And the beauty, beautiful thing we have about the society is we're all working together to make things function. That's the whole idea of society. Oh, yeah. 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 And it, it, that's Everybody contributes in different ways. Yeah. And it's right? something really annoying when, and this comes from everywhere. This is not just Americans, but I definitely see it a lot in more in the United States when people talk about freedom and their rights and stuff. Uh, for example, when it comes to healthcare, the healthcare one drives me f- f- mental. I didn't even live there, but they talk about freedom. It's like, 
what do you call them? Freeloaders. Like even if you are on insurance, you're literally doing the same thing as having public health care just when you're a yeah. little private bubble. That's all you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's weird. You know, I, I love not being insured. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're free, Ethan. I know. Yeah. I have so many freedoms. <laughs> but we pay for so many things that we all share, especially emergency services uh, mm -hmm. in some places more than others, I think. But there's just yeah. so many things we we work on communally that for some reason, certain things, that's just, no, we can't do it that way. And yeah, yeah. all I'm trying yeah. to say is we we all need to just realize we're all just trying to work together. And what, well, and it's more efficient, right? Yeah. Like it's more efficient to just be like, we we put money in this great big pot. And then the things that we all use, we're just going to, you know, like cover that. We're yeah. going to do that. Could you imagine if every day when you got in your car and you're turning down the street, every new road you turned onto, every new kilometer you drove, there was a ticket booth there that you had to stop at. It's just, I mean, it's about doing things efficiently, yeah. right? Um, and, that, and that's the deal. We make this infrastructure and we can, we can all make use of it. But the bottom line is, like, you look at footpaths, right? How, you know, the impact that that you're having on the city infrastructure when you're walking. I'm working on a video about this right now. You've got these sidewalks that are 100 years old. And it looks it looks like maybe it was made yes or last year, yeah. right? Like it was, mm -hmm. it's just a little worn, right? Oh, absolutely. Maybe slightly different concrete mix, right? But yeah. it's, it's still there. Yeah. It still works. Yeah, because your your feet aren't destroying the infrastructure. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how much that cars and trucks and buses can can do to pavement. It's incredible. Yeah, Ethan, I'm wondering if you know where it comes to rail. Like, how often do you have to replace rail? So generally, you don't have to replace the tracks that often. Um, I believe it's somewhere around like it. The wooden or the. I actually believe it's somewhere around the. It's they're really having this debate on the wooden versus concrete ties and whatever lasts hmm. longer. The rail usually generally doesn't break very fast. It's the ties that right. you're dealing with. Right. And I right. think it's somewhere around 30 to 50 years on the okay. on the ties. That's, but obviously yeah, so, you can still have issues with the rail, too. Uh -huh. But that's yeah. going to be like longer than most roadways oh, are like 20 to 30 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At, at best. Yeah. Interesting. Plus all the potholes you fix along the yeah, way. And a lot it depends of if your city has free thaw cycles, especially with, you know, roadways. Yeah, that's true. Right. Right. Yeah. Thankfully, we don't have like too if, much of that here. I know in I know in Chicago when I lived there, especially when they salt the roads, you have this real issue when it comes to it. Because not only are you doing free mm -hmm. thaw, but you're dumping a bunch of salt onto the road. Yeah. And okay. that is Winter. um yeah, that's probably Dude. the worst thing you can do. And your roads only last like 10, 15 yeah. years. Yeah. When I was when I was in the Netherlands, I noticed how nice all their roads were. Like just gorgeous. And it's because, you know, they they don't have to salt the roads. They don't uh have have to worry about all these extra things that us winter climate people uh gotta gotta deal with. Uh I know recently on the uh Oh the Urbanity video they mentioned comments of people from the Netherlands. Why why do you complain about cycling in the winter? It's not that big of a deal. You don't need, you know, nobody clears our roads, blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's different. You know, like Montreal's winter is not the same as like Copenhagen. They literally have to bring in trucks to like haul out the snow in Montreal. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah. These yeah. people really, yeah. they're, they're so pampered by the Gulf Stream. They don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it really it really depends. Uh, but uh, yeah, bottom line is uh, we all pay for our streets. Yeah, I, I uh, do have one note I'd like to yeah. add, and this is in the video too, but it, it just blew my mind when I, I looked into it and kind of crunched the numbers. I found a study, it was a bit old, it was from 2007, and they kind of calculated the externalities of driving and how much it would cost. And I think I calculated it to be today's dollars, $1.05 a liter Canadian for the externalities that it would cost on driving. And even in Vancouver, where we have the highest gas tax in North America, it's 78 cents. If, even if all of that money went to the externalities, it still wouldn't cover it. But I found one of the the places in the United States that used the most gas and paid the least amount of tax, which is Mississippi. And they pay just six cents a liter Canadian for their gas. Wow. Which yeah, is just they're... unbelievable. So, so their externalities yeah. were $2,300 a year and they only paid $140 a year. And just just gas taxes. Again, that's not even saying it would cover all the externalities. God. Yeah, I Doesn't don't even cover it. I don't think they have any state tax on their gases. I think they're only federal there. Yeah. And oil really subsidizes Mississippi because one, it's one of the lowest in earning states in the US. Like income there mm. is not great. And also they have a bunch of their refineries in the southern part of the state. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. But yeah, as you were saying, Alex, we all pay for our streets. Let's all yeah. just, you know, get in a nice circle and, you know, have a, have a good time. Everybody's here. Have, everybody, have a good yeah, time. Everybody's, everybody's yeah. wants, wants you to be happy. Everybody wants to be yeah. happy. You're driving Let's a Cybertruck, though. Um, no, you're not happy. Get off my street. Get the fuck, get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> fuck off my streets. <laughs> those, those things are something else. They're like 8,000 uh, pounds. Anyway. So we have we have some fan mail that uh, that I, I'm gonna I'm gonna share here. This one is from my big sister. Huge, she's a huge fan of the show. Uh, let me see if I can find. Here it is. So this is a bus stop my sister saw. You might not know it just by looking at it, but this is this is supposedly a bus stop. It has a bench, uh, and there is some sort of path here that is level with the road, um, which here's here's the thing. This is If you want to come from the road onto the sidewalk, this is great news for you. Like if you're looking to drive on the sidewalk, this is going to be perfect for you. But if you're a wheelchair user and you need to get onto the bus, good luck, good luck. Also, it's on the shoulder of a busy road with a higher speed limit. Then this uh, this bench here, isn't it's not on on the sidewalk it's tilted weird anyways very unhelpful but this is not the worst bus stop uh that i'm sharing here today oh also there's no also, sign oh this one has no a sign. sign though this one has a sign <laughs> so this is this is a bus stop you can tell because of the way it is um but uh a speed limit 45 first of all that's crazy um but then the bus stop is literally like is it is it on this like along this rail here you know right? what? what like you know what that's pedestrian protection i mean come that, on you're Look at you're that. right this is pedestrian protection because it's designed to crumple when a car crash into it yeah what are those rails um, called guard rails just a guard, a guard rail, rail. Yeah. yeah yeah but there's somebody there's there's a youtuber that's got a really great video on how these things work yeah i've but seen that this is not here to protect pedestrians and could you imagine being a pedestrian you stand back here and then the bus comes and then you got to step over the curb or what, you know, 
how do, how does this work? So this I thought is, I would share that uh, with you guys. This is in a uh, in a country that has the uh, Americans for Disabilities Act. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think that the, I think that this is probably an ADA complaint. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's crazy that it's like, well, we're going to make this infrastructure, right? Because, well, we know that some people, you know, can't drive for whatever reason. Or if you've got like if you're a wheelchair user, right, uh, it might be cost prohibitive for you to drive for you to get a vehicle that works to your specifications that you need. But of course, you can't take the bus either. So good luck out there. That's uh, yeah. 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 It's it's brutal. It's and you said your sister lives brutal. in Memphis. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. In Memphis. That explains it. That explains yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's not great. Not uh, Tennessee not is a uh, great at all. Interesting state for transit, and I'm not saying that in a good way. No, no. Um, it's it's not great. We also got some comments on our YouTube channel. Uh, again, huge fans. We have so many huge and adoring fans. Um, which is wonderful. So thank you to everybody who commented. I want to talk more about Ethan's or about uh, Austin's comment he left on our last video, but uh, he he left a long comment and I kind of want to go into depth on it um, another another time. But if you want to have some fan mail, some listener mail, even if you hate us, it could be anti-mail, uh, we, will, we will talk about it on the podcast. You can email us at radiofreeurbanism.com at gmail.com. Yeah, yes. we're open to everything. I don't care if you, you hate... Don't yeah, send again, us like fishing Alex. emails, please. Actually, you know <laughs> yeah. what? Go for it. Go for it. Unless it's Go about crazy. fishing, like the sport. Yeah, yeah about yeah. fishing the sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you guys getting an echo? Oh, I, I accidentally... Something. Guys, funny thing. I accidentally punched <laughs> down and I unplugged my headphones. <laughs> oh, okay, I was, I was so confused. I was like, wait a second. Huh? Wait, why do I... But, uh, okay, we should be good then if uh, if Ethan fixed it. Um, Ethan didn't drop off the call this week. Not yet. So I'd say, you still know... Time. Still time. Still time. Still a little bit. Ethan, We're getting into the crunch time. I'm looking if, good, if, though, on... <laughs> If, if if you want to make any uh, hiccups this week, uh, just let us know. I feel All like right, next guys, I'm week, just gonna, Nick I'm just going to throw my computer across the room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Everything unplugged. Oops. <laughs> uh, we also have a comment from Jen Hall. Uh, and she said uh, on our YouTube video, she said, if you think about it, communication between vehicles is very limited. Basically, only the turn signals and observing what lane they are in turning lane versus center lane or left lane, whatever. So turn signals and hoping the car is going to continue on the path you assume they're on versus thousands of subtle body language, facial expressions, and voice communications that can be expressed between pedestrians or wheelers. Thank you for another great episode. Um, yeah, that's incredible. How do you guys, Thanks, Jen. Yeah, Jen, Jen is great. She actually gave me a uh, a great tour of her her neighborhood here in Calgary uh, a few weeks a few weeks back, uh, which was exciting to see some of the progress that's going around the city. But uh, yeah, how do you do? You guys have any examples or experiences with your own communication between drivers, pedestrians, cyclists, scooters, etc.? Yeah, I think we touched on this briefly last week when uh, mm-hmm. Alex. Or sorry, Ethan lost. We lost Ethan last week. I think we talked about. Yeah, you guys about were it, talking about uh, about the Bilber. Um, yeah. Video. So I think while mm-hmm. you were gone, we talked a little bit about this and communication and the difference between being in a vehicle 
and being, you know, a pedestrian or as Jen said, a wheeler, which I love that wheeler. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've always noticed this in different ways. And a lot of times when you see very tinted windows, there's a lot of other curious curiosities about that particular car you might notice. Um, for example, not only tinted windows, tinted uh, license plates, tinted lights, like the, the actually this is probably illegal in most places, but actually tints over top of the brake lights, which is like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it's it at the all. The vanity stuff. already illegal. Yeah. The vanity yeah. thing, I don't even understand. Like, again, that's to each their own, but uh, the safety issue is one thing. But yeah, the boat communication in a car is so big and it it's literally designed as if, you know, we talked about last week, being in a car in a sense, is literally designed to cut you off from the outside world in a way. So to go a step further and tint the windows so nobody can actually see you just takes Mm -hmm. it a step further. And that's just, it's terrible. It's just not a good way to move around a city. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful for communication. What about you, Ethan? When you're getting around, Um, what have you noticed? I mean, yeah, anytime someone has tinted windows, I mean, you can't really see anything that they're doing. And this is a huge safety issue, too, not just for communication, but I mean, like they could be hiding something, you know, you can't see it. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't see the driver, then, you know, it it does become a hazard, especially if you're cycling. I mean, you can't. Yeah, there are some visual cues when, when you see a driver in another vehicle. But if you can't, then I mean, like the only thing you're relying on are turn signals brake lights and you know prayers that's like all you're yeah, exactly on. i jesus I mean, it's like wheel. what jen said like it's, it's like yeah you just gotta hope that they're gonna do the thing that you think they should do that's why people always talk about being predictable when you're driving right and they, the same honestly the same applies to to cyclists uh holding a line right you know not swerving all over that clip signaling. We, we saw last time, right? Yeah. Like signaling, right? Showing, hey, I'm going this way, right? Communicating. But the thing is, when you make a mistake as a cyclist, the consequences are less severe than when you make a mistake as a driver. And as a cyclist, you have all the additional cues that you're giving off about your motion, right? People can see which way you're leaning, which way you're looking. Whereas when I'm when I'm cycling along, if the windows are tinted, I can't I can't see if the driver is looking over his shoulder to check out if there's anybody here, right? Yeah. And so uh yeah, it's about communication. It's about yeah. being predictable, it's about, about I mean, being clear about your intentions. Well on, yeah. Sorry. On top of this as well is that when you are cycling, you can vocally call out to people like pedestrians, mm-hmm. other cyclists. And I mean, yeah. obviously everybody's heard this before if you've ever been on a trail on your left. I mean, yeah. it's just such a common thing to do things like that. Like it's it's so easy to vocalize like what you're doing when you're cycling mm-hmm. or yeah. being a pedestrian compared or on any micro mobility compared to driving. Yeah, I was I, I yelled on your left a lot this weekend. I took a few rides out. It was <laughs> really nice. Um, so I always take advantage. But yeah, something about when it comes to pedestrians and cycling is that the body language is so important, right? Mm-hmm. And it's I know I've heard many b- different people about talk about this. And I've definitely heard Jason from Not Just Bikes talk a lot about this, about this magical dance that happens at intersections when cyclists mm-hmm. come together and you, they're uncontrolled sometimes. And I know there's there's a video of all greens for cyclists. It's just like an intersection. And it just goes all green at the same time. And somehow by magic, everybody just gets through as they crisscross each other and nobody yeah. has a collision. It's just, yeah. there's just yeah. so much communication that can happen just by yeah. seeing other people that just 
is lost and guess in what? a car. Guess what? Traffic calming works for cycling too, even more effectively because yeah, you don't really need signals or anything like that if you're dealing with all cycling infrastructure. Yeah. You yeah. just yeah. You just work it out. You go mm-hmm. a little bit slower and then you get through the intersection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz you can see, oh, hey, it's busy up here. I'm going to take it a little easy. Yeah. Right? Not even mentioning the visibility when it comes to micromobility, mm-hmm. how much you can see. You can see everything. You have this perfect 180-degree view basically in front of you. No A-pillar yeah. to speak of. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah a, exactly. Yeah. Maybe sometimes I use it as an excuse for my uh, you know, recklessness sometimes. <laughs> I can see everything. It's fine. I can see everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but when you're, when you're passing people, man, you got to watch, right? You don't want to get doored. You don't want, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Paying attention for the people not paying attention. Yeah. Uh, I've had some close calls. Unfortunately, yeah, I didn't catch them on my GoPro. I didn't have them at the time, but yeah. So uh, um, if you cycle here, sorry, if you cycle here and you do not have rear view mirrors already, get them. Yeah. I know looking idea. back, always the good thing, but having a rear view mirror so that way you can check and see if there's anybody behind you is so essential. It saved me from mm-hmm. being door or being hit behind when, you know, someone's opening a door in front of me. So that yeah. way I can, I can swerve out of the way I have, you know, you have, sometimes you can have that reaction time where you can swerve out of the way of being doored. Right. Right. Yeah. Just some, something additional that helps you pay more attention to that. That gives you a little bit more uh, visibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any, any more thoughts on this before we, wrap it up just that i'd like to see more enforcement in a lot of things and i know there's always arguments about all sorts of people on the road any road user is going to be breaking the law i think i read something recently from somebody on instagram who talks about this stuff is that of all the road users discounting speeding we break the law pretty much evenly when you count speeding Hmm. cars just blow it out of the water but like yeah we're all breaking the law so I'd like to see more enforcement in general. And I know this isn't the same everywhere, especially in places like Australia, where I hear that they're very, very strict when it comes to uh, people abiding the law. Uh, here in Vancouver, it's complete opposite. It's like, it seems like recklessness. Like people can just do whatever they want. Most of the time, it's not going to matter. So take that I think by in 10 general, for Vegas. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in general, there needs to be more enforcement. In the meantime, until a lot of these things, not just talking about tinted windows, but other things can be designed out, making our yeah. streets safer from the bottom yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. The built environment makes a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of built environment, Nick's going to wrap us up with a, uh, with a recommendation here. Yeah. I have a book that I read, reread recently. I read it, I think, almost a year ago for the first time. And recently I picked it back up because I always love re-listening to books that I like. And uh, this one's called Building the Cycling City. This is by Melissa and Chris Bruntlett. They're a married couple that are from Vancouver originally, but have moved to the Netherlands. And this explores the transformation of Dutch cities from car centric to bike friendly environments. So that's something a lot of people don't know is that back in the day, they had a traffic problem when it came to cars and they had, I believe the most deaths of pedestrians by cars. And that's what kind of tilted, uh, made the shift to, to bicycles. And it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a thing that was destined to happen. Um, but the mm-hmm. book highlights the historical shift towards cycling, innovative infrastructure designs, and the importance of policy and planning. And the book emphasizes the cultural integration of cycling in the Netherlands and suggests, this is the biggest part for me, suggests that these strategies can be adapted globally. 
And uh, it also discusses the environmental and health benefits of cycling, offering a practical guide to creating more bike-friendly urban spaces. It's called the it's called Building the Cycling City by Melissa and Chris Bruntland. I highly recommend it. It's got a lot of great information in there about how and why cycling works in the Netherlands. And again, like I said, most importantly, how these strategies can be used in other places. And of course, like we're talking about here on this podcast, North America specifically. Exciting. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Uh, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Ethan. Uh, Ethan, any final thoughts as we wrap up? Uh, no final thoughts. Um, uh, car bad, train good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just got to go with the classic. Good. Yeah. 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 More, <laughs> more trains good. That's what I say. Uh, Nick, final thoughts. Just great episode. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I feel like we're, we're yeah. just gelling. This is, it's been yeah. weird. I, yeah. I'm always looking forward to doing this every week because I know I got a couple guys I can talk to and we can just talk freely about these subjects Hell that yeah. I don't yeah. get to have in my normal daily life. So this is always a joy. Yeah, it's great. We're not annoying anybody here with, uh, with talking about trains. I know my family's threatened to set up a train jar every time I talk about trains. I got to put a loony in. And uh, and I think the proceeds will go to funding the Green Line here in Calgary. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be here. Nice to talk about these things. You can subscribe to me at Humane Cities on YouTube. And uh, also check out Nick's The Bike Lane Project. Nick's channel is Nick Laporte. And Ethan's channel is Climate and Transit, as well as Ethan's popular on everything else too. So Check us all out, and thanks for listening to another episode of Radio Free Urbanism. See y'all next week. Bye. This show is made possible by listeners like you. For more episodes, find us on your favorite podcatcher or on YouTube at Radio Free Urbanism.